What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to an episode of Pro and Bro Wrestling Podcast. We are your host. I'm Arnold Telegaarda. And I'm missing no days off, Fred Rosser. And it's been a minute, Arnold. We took December off, you know. Um, I always say don't die with a story and you tell it. And our first guest of 2021 is so, I tell you all the time, anyone we have on the podcast is very near and dear to my heart. And I've got to represent Santino Brothers here in LA. Uh, I gained so much respect for our next guest because I remember traveling from LA to San Francisco, the Bay Area, to do a show. And our guest drove six hours there and six hours back. And normally I love to do all the driving, you know, but our next guest, his work ethic, I told you before uh, we had our guest on that his work ethic reminds me of Sean Bennett, WWE referee. He's making moves in WWE. And our next guest, Jeremy Marcus, is making moves with New Japan Pro Wrestling. Jeremy, thank you for being a guest on Pro Bro Wrestling, where I always say don't die with the story you tell it, brother. Thanks for having me, Fred and Arnold. I, I'm happy to be here, and I'm honored to be the first guest of 2021. Happy New Year's, guys. Happy New Year, man. How was your holidays, by the way? Did you have a good time off, or were you constantly working? Um, you know, unlike Fred, I'm not Mr. No Days Off. I'm uh, <laughs> Mr. Sometimes Take a Day Off, so. <laughs> me too, bro, me too. Jeremy, yeah. don't, Jeremy, don't start with me, man. Don't start with me because you are a workaholic inside of the ring and outside of the ring. So you are Mr. No Days Off. Thank you. I am a workaholic, but I did actually take a day off uh, or two for the holidays and, you know, spend it with my girlfriend. So we had some, some nice time to, to relax, so. That was good. Yeah, it was, it was much needed rest. That's awesome, man. And where are you right now? Are you in, are you in the States? In an undisclosed location in the Ooh. New Japan LA Dojo. Well, you know, before we get started with your career and everything, I just, I always ask with this one question, were you a fan uh, of wrestling growing up? Absolutely, of course. Um, you know, I, I started watching wrestling when I was really little. I, I have an older brother who's five years older than me. And he was a wrestling fan for a little bit. So I started watching wrestling when I was maybe three. Wow. Um, so I have really early memories of life, uh, just renting videotapes at a, a video store across the street from my house, going with my brother across the street, see, you know, Ultimate Warrior and The Undertaker. Those are my guys. So, you know, any video that they were on the cover on, you know, that was the one I was going to rent. <laughs> those uh, those are Col Coliseum videos, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the old Coliseum videos. Yeah, those are the best. <laughs> oh, man. I, I miss those days, man. Well, that's great. Um, were you like, uh, I know you, you mentioned The Ultimate Warrior, but were you a big fan of um, like the big guys like Hulk Hogan or who was your favorite wrestler at the time? Um, probably, you know, The Undertaker was always my favorite guy growing up. Uh, just such a cool character and, you know, just larger than life uh, character and personality. So, um, yeah. I, you know, I always rooted for The Undertaker, but the Ultimate Warrior was up there too. And, um, you know, Shawn Michaels and Razor Ramon. Absolutely. As well. It sounds like you grew up in my era, man. I feel like we're the same age because I'm, I'm right there with you. And it's crazy, right? Speaking of The Undertaker, um, there's this meme that I saw on an Instagram of um, a little kid and his dad, and it's The Undertaker making his debut in Survivor Series 1990 and 2000. Well, like at that time when they thought Undertaker retired in 2017, it's like the grandpa, the dad, and now his son. And wow, I mean, 30 year career, man. That's that's insane. Um, yeah. Did you watch? Yeah. Did you watch? Um, the Survivor Series this year when they they gave him his kind of like farewell. 
Yeah, I did. Definitely. You know, that was an, an end of an era and, you know, just kind of like the last bit of my childhood right there, you know. <laughs> where, where did you grow up? Like what city did you live in? I grew up in Culver City, California, uh, which is just a city within Los Angeles County. Um, went to Culver City High School and then I actually went to college at UCLA. So I'm very much an LA kid through and through. Love it. Wow, that's interesting. Uh, why, why Santino Brothers? How did you discover Santino Brothers? It was the luck of the draw. Um, I Googled and Santino Bros came up and I had messaged them. I sent them an email um, in like maybe it was April or so of 2013. And I said I was interested in refing, but I wasn't totally sure if I was going to do it or not. And then I kind of waited a few months and I was taking my CPA exams at the time. Ooh. So when I passed my final exam, I said, all right, it's now or never, let's do it. I've got nothing holding me back. So that was in August of 2013. Wow. You know, I found that email and I replied of like, all right, I'm ready to start. So they sent me the info and I came the first day and um, it was, you know, a day I'll never forget. I remember uh, Tyler Bateman was there uh, yes. training with Ruby Rays. Um, Robbie Phoenix, you know, was, uh, was the trainer that day as well. Um, and they just was had me Jake going. There? Was Jake there or no? No, this is before Jake had started training. Um, yeah, so I think Jake started maybe in 2015 or 16. I'm not sure. It's, the years start to blend together. <laughs> yes. That's actually one of the questions that I wanted to ask. Um, when, you, when you got into the wrestling business, did you know right away that you wanted to be a referee or was rest, like being a wrestler the first choice? Uh, that's a great question. I actually did come in wanting to be a referee. Uh, you know, it's, I think, starting to become more common amongst people I talked to when I first broke in. Um, a lot of the reps, at least, that I had talked to on the indie scene said that they wanted to be wrestlers and that yeah. for whatever reason, <laughs> you know, they just couldn't cut it. You know, they weren't athletic <laughs> enough to do some of the moves or they just didn't, you know, they didn't like the bumps. But for me, I, you know, I didn't want to take all the bumps and bruises that come along with being a wrestler. You know, it's it's a tough life. <laughs> I'm sure Fred can tell you it's it's not easy. So, um, you know, I think refing was more suitable to, for my skills. You know, I think that's a dream job for a lot of wrestling fans because if you think about it, that's kind of like the the smart move. You know, you're not putting your body on the line, but at the same time, you get to be in the squared circle and you get to be backstage with all your like favorite wrestlers, the people you grew up with, and you get to like travel. But you, you know, um, you have less injuries. <laughs> yeah, although I will say, you know, there's definitely still danger present. Oh, for um, sure. I've been I've been injured in the ring while refing. You know, I've had concussions before. Um, you know, it's very dangerous. Um, not that it's unsafe or anything like that, but it's a, it's a risky sport that we do. So even the ref uh, can get hurt. Yeah. What was your first injury? Uh, it was a concussion. Um, I was counting uh, three and um, a wrestler had thrown in a title belt and it actually hit me in the back of the head oh, no. before I hit the three and uh, yeah, cut me open. Uh, I had four staples to close it. I remember it was, it was TV and um, I was wearing an earpiece and I could just hear the producer saying, get up, and ring the bell, get up and ring the bell, match is over. Oh, shoot, are you okay? <laughs> I got up and I turned around and there was somebody in the audience and his face was just, he was mortified. 
Wow. <laughs> looked down and there was just blood gushing all over my shoulder. I was like, that's not good. So I think I raised their hand and just got out of there, went to the back. Um, Adam Pierce was there and he was super like fired up about it. And he was like, oh, oh man, yeah. let me take a picture. Let me take a picture. <laughs> You're not going to forget this day. This is awesome. <laughs> well, I mean, uh, Arnold, I'm very overprotective of my people that I surround myself and I tell you what, if I would have been there, I would have been very upset, you know, because I don't want someone like Jeremy getting hurt, you know, because like I said, Jeremy's work ethic reminds me of Bennett, you know what I mean? That's why, you know, traveling and stuff like that, if I were traveling on the road with any organization and Jeremy was on the roster, I'd want to travel with Jeremy. I wouldn't want to travel with any of the wrestlers. That's just how I am. When I was with WWE, I always traveled sometimes. If I didn't travel with Titus or Seamus or Mark Henry or maybe some of the production people, I traveled by myself. So, um, you know, I would have been fired up uh, in a not so good way if I saw you all bloodied up. Thank you. <laughs> you know, uh, it's quite a day. You know, uh, with Fred growing up, uh, he, he looked up to wrestlers like Kurt Angle, trying to learn his craft and everything. With you wanting to become a referee, were you were you looking at guys like Earl Hebner and Mike Kyoto and like, you know, um, watching and learning what they're doing and things like that? Or were you just most, more focused on the entertainment as a whole itself? Um, I mean, growing up definitely was focused on the entertainment as a whole, but I'd say that Earl Hebner uh, and Tim White were referees Tim that White. really stuck out. And then later on, Charles Robinson and Mike Kyoto. Mm -hmm. um, and definitely um, study all those guys. And now that I'm with New Japan, I studied Red Shoes you know, a lot and Tiger Atori and uh, Mario Asami. Yeah. Um, so those are, those are our reps. And, you know, I like to see the differences in styles. Sure. As well so um but yeah and i try to watch as many as many reps as i can and now that i am a ref i notice the ref every single time and sure. you know now i i sometimes don't even watch the wrestlers during a match sometimes i'll just be watching the refs that's awesome man that's really cool you know arnold i was having a conversation with uh jeremy uh i asked J jeremy randomly i've never re requested a particular referee but i asked jeremy have wrestlers ever like requested you as a referee because you're so good at what you do and it's very important because i always got to bring it back to bennett when i first started he started a couple months before me but when i first started bennett would always remember my spots because i couldn't remember my stuff in the ring i would have brain farts but bennett was the closest to the action so he would always say if something looked good, he would tell you if it looked good. So referee is so important, you know, especially with the up and down, with the excitement and the false finishes and stuff like that. It, uh, you know, the referee is a crucial part of the show, you know, and Jeremy is Jeremy's one of the best at what he does. Thank you, Fred. Yeah, it's, you know, I appreciate you comparing me to Bennett. He's a friend of mine as well. And, um, you know, he obviously works super hard to get in the position that he's in. Um, well, both of you guys, both of you guys are in your own lane. You're in your lane. Bennett's in his lane. Just like I said on social media, Kenny Omega, he's making moves with Impact and AEW. If he comes to our show, New Japan Strong, I'm coming for him. So, yeah. Uh, so he he just needs to just stay in his own lane. <laughs> I think anyone that comes to New Japan Strong, you're going after. I know you. 
<laughs> you know me, Jeremy. You know me. You know, Jeremy, when you started uh, training to be a ref, uh, that first day when you entered the school, were you kind of like, okay, like, I kind of got the gist of this. I knew it was going to be like this, being a fan of the sport and everything. But were you like, whoa, like, I had no idea this much work and so many little factor goes into it? Yeah, um, I didn't know what to expect, really. Uh, you know, I didn't know if they were going to break my arm or what. Yeah. Uh, that first day, try to scare me off, see if I'd come back. But uh, I was just like a deer in the headlights. You know, I was kind of soaking it all in and just like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. And to step foot into a wrestling ring yeah. uh, was just such a great feeling. It was like a dream come true already. Yeah. Um, and then they told me to get in there and ref. And I said, what are you talking about getting in there and ref? I don't know how to do that. Uh, you know, everyone thinks it's as simple as just counting the three. But when, you know, there's wrestlers running around in there and you got to get out of the way and sure. you know, start enforcing the rules, you know, it's not easy. Yeah. Um, did you have to do any of the drills that the wrestlers had to do? or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so my or the way our class was structured was that uh, Jason McCord was the ref um, who would train us for an hour at 9 a.m. And then at 10 a.m. the wrestlers would come in and we'd have like two or three hours of uh, wrestling training. Okay. So learn to roll, learn to bump, hit the ropes, learn to wrestle. I probably stayed in wrestling class for like a year okay. or so, maybe a year wow. and a half, um, just to learn how to wrestle, just you yeah. know, for fun and um for the exercise <laughs> you know speaking of that i saw a video of you uh wrestling jake atlas <laughs> you remember that at all um you know i think we did we wrestled around a little bit um right right before you got signed to wwe i saw that i think what was it like santino brothers like youtube channel or something but anyways i saw it online Probably. and it was really cool because um the point of view was from the ref, like the, the guy holding the camera was the referee. So every time, you know, like, let's say Jake would get you in a headlock and he would talk to the camera as if like you're the ref. So seeing it from that perspective was mind blowing to me, which is which was really cool. And you're a great worker, man. You can definitely work. I loved it. Uh, Brody King always says of myself and of uh, my fellow referee Nick Bonanno that we are a waste of talent, meaning that we, we could have been wrestlers if we wanted to be. <laughs> you talk, uh, Jeremy, uh, you talk about posting videos. You've been posting videos of you working out. You know, how important is being in shape? How important is your mental and your physical health to you right now? Uh, very important. So important. Um, you know, I'd say maybe about two years ago, I, I decided to really start taking my, um, my workouts more seriously. I hired a trainer uh, with a gym, uh, Sweat 60, and would go there, you know, in the pre-COVID days, I'd go there and work out all the time now. I'm fortunate that they're offering virtual training so that I can still work with a trainer who uh, it's taking the time to to learn my body and can write exercises uh, specifically for me. Um, and then mentally, uh, you know, the, the same thing, you've really got to take care of yourself. And around the same time that I had physically started to train harder and, and take care of my body a lot more, I did the same thing with my mind. Um, you know, I went to therapy for a year just to kind of uh, get things out, you know, and, and just work through any issues um, that I had or, you know, just to talk to someone and helped a lot.
Um, I did coaching, um, you know, just kind of to boost my confidence. And, you know, I'd say it, it all really worked. It helped me kind of gather my thoughts and remind myself of who I am, um, you know, and, and really helped me with my self-esteem mentally. So um, that combined with, you know, working out, you know, physically, it makes you feel great. And, yes. if you, and when you can push yourself to work out, even on those days where you really just don't want to do it, and you do it anyway, at the end of that workout, you just feel great. You feel like you've accomplished something. Um, so, you know, that's what I love about it. Good for you, man. Oh, I love that. Oh, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so happy to hear that. So happy. I love that, man. Mental health is super important. It's, it's just yeah. equally as important as your overall physical health. Um, for for your uh, fitness journey, what's what's your goal? Do you want to kind of like um, get lean or do you want to like bulk up or do you just want to be healthy overall? Um, that's a good question. I, I want to bulk up a little bit, you know, I don't need to be as oh, big goodness, as Mr. No on. Days Off. <laughs> you know, I don't listen, need to be listen, the sun listen, tan listen, Superman listen. over there, but <laughs> listen, don't, don't, don't use my lines. Don't, don't use my catchphrases. This is, this is a TRX body. I had not touched a weight since March of last year. It's been all TRX and kettlebell work and agility, agility ladder stuff to, Make sure that I'm in the right place at the right time when I'm in the New Japan Pro Wrestling ring. Yeah, I can't look. I can't touch your workouts, Fred. <laughs> you are you are the king. You are the king. No, 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 Jeremy. I always say anyone that works out with me, I'm looking to make you, not break you. So my workouts are very easy. I've trained people in their 60s all the way up until my two god babies that are seven years old. So. Uh, like I said, I would say health, health, health as well, but I've got a question for you. How, how has your family, has your family been supportive in your journey? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky to have a supportive family. You know, I, I've heard of people who don't have supportive, uh, support systems behind them when they enter wrestling. And I think it sucks. It's unfortunate. I'm really lucky that my family supported me. Um, my mom, of course, she's a Jewish mother. She's worried sick the entire time. She's still worried sick. Um, you know, I posted that video of, of me uh, benching 185 pounds, which was, you know, a personal milestone for me because I've been afraid to bench press my whole life, really. So yes. to actually bench press more than I weigh uh, was a good accomplishment for me. Um, and I told my mom about it and I was super excited. And she said, you know, you're not supposed to bench press that much weight. You're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> moms will be moms though. Yeah. And you know, she's always worried, but she's, she's so happy for me. And you know, um, when I started working full time with new Japan, she was, you know, ecstatic. Um, yeah. you know, she was almost in tears uh, when I, when I went home and told her the news. That's, that's amazing. And tell me more about that, man. How, how did your journey to New Japan come to be? Uh, it started off just as ring crew. So in 2017, New Japan put on a G1 special in Long Beach. And um, I had hit up Rocky Romero, who I knew from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, to do ring crew. Um, and I also told him that I'm a ref, so you know, I'll have my gear with me. Um, and he said, you know, that's fine, but we'll start with the ring crew. So we did. And, um, you know, the very next show, they offered me a, a chance to ref. Uh, that was in March of 2018 for Strong Style Evolved. Wow. Um, also in Long Beach. And 
I didn't screw up. So, you know, they kept on giving me the opportunity uh, to ref whenever they were uh, running locally. And then eventually they brought me along on tours um, in the U.S. And then I came on full time in January of last year. Wow. Congratulations, man. Wow. January of last year. Well, Jeremy, uh, I don't know if you remember this flyer. Do you remember this flyer? I do. I do. And I... Uh, what's that? No, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, it was Lance Hoyt that gave me this flyer September of last year. And I always save it because he gave me this flyer September. And then you guys are running in November. The show started at 7 p.m. I showed up like 5 p.m. because still 18 plus years in the business. Uh, I wanted to feel the ring. I wanted to be able to meet the wrestlers. I wanted to be able to sit there as a fan. And that same question was running in my head. Do I fit in? Do I belong here? Do I belong here? Uh, and after it was all said and done and I watched the show, uh, I said to myself, man, I can hang with these guys, you know? So it was Rocky Romero that gave me the opportunity. Um, uh, he said, you know, in a couple of months, um, I'll have you come down to the dojo and try out. I, because I told him, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll try out. I tried out with WWE in September 4th, 2009, out of 75 guys and girls from all over the world. I earned my tryout. So I'm not unfamiliar with tryouts, but fast forward to when the pandemic hit and uh, Rocky reached out to me uh, when the pandemic was running wild. And uh, I had to check with my family because um, I needed their blessing for me to do these New Japan shows. Uh, and my family blessed me and the rest was history. So uh, I owe it to not only Lance Hoyt, but Rocky Romero for just giving me the opportunity. And I was gonna do one or two things. I was gonna either shit the bed or I was gonna have some really dope matches. And I'm still on cloud nine, so I can only imagine how you feel still. Yeah, you know, I'm so grateful to be working here. And I remember seeing you backstage. I was gonna say, I remember seeing you backstage at that show. Um, Bro, I was so nervous. I'm always <laughs> nervous. I was, Jeremy, you know, you know, because I text you and I'll say, I'll text you. And I said, what do you call, what do you call Shibata? Because I don't wanna be disrespectful. You said Shibata son. I said, okay, because uh, uh, Arnold, I go to Jeremy for everything. Like if I'm, if I'm struggling with something or if I don't know something, I always go to him. So, uh, I was a nervous wreck being backstage. I remember, uh, Kota Abushi. Uh, um, he was very, he was back. Like, I didn't think he knew who I was. I, st I still didn't think he knew who I was. Uh, but he was very, very nice to me. And then a lot of the wrestlers were nice. Um, but I was a nervous but I can't believe you, you you remember me being back there. Absolutely, I do. I don't remember if uh, that happened before our road trip or after. After. Um, it was after. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Before, before. It was before, before right? Because then after you, you had said that your goal was to go to Japan. And 100%, yes. I think it's going to happen. I don't know when with all the COVID stuff going crazy, but as soon as that's done I think you're gonna be there and hopefully I'll be there with you yeah oh god I just got chills hand to god I just got <laughs> chills all all down it's something I think about daily because a lot of my family they uh you know they're um, they're very happy for me but you know 
I, I've said it, I've said it on social media because I get tired of like fans always asking me, you should try AEW, you should try WWE again. I've done WWE. I'm very happy with what I did with them. AEW, I tried not once, but twice. And they said, no. So it's almost like, you know, um, I got to keep it moving. You know what I mean? And thankfully, uh, Rocky gave me an opportunity and, like I said, I'm still on cloud nine and you and I are in the same position of hopefully going to Japan. We just got to keep speaking it in, into existence. Absolutely. You know, Jeremy, a lot of wrestlers are uh, mentally getting affected with this whole no crowd situation. You know, it's a different energy. It, it took a while for all of them to get adjusted to it. How has it been for you in the ring when there's a, no live audience to, um, to play with? You know, it definitely, like you said, people are getting adjusted to it. They had to get used to it. That was the same with me. I mean, um, I, I train, uh, I guess when there wasn't COVID, I'd be training a lot at Santino's and, um, you know, there's no crowd there. So yeah. you're wrestling in front of silence a lot of the times or people are, you know, talking over their, their practice matches. Mm -hmm. um, so it's similar, but it's also different because now the cameras are on and now you know you're going live. So um, yeah, it's, it's just, it, it took some getting used to, I'd say at first, just because you can really hear yourself a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, but after a while, it's just the same thing, I guess. <laughs> there's just not real, there's not the same adrenaline rush, I guess, that you get sure. in front of a live crowd. There's not that yeah. same energy that's there, but my job is the same. Right. So. And I bet it's going to be another adjustment when the crowd comes back too, right? And everyone's going to be like, whoa, it's <laughs> yeah. a lot of noise here. I can't hear myself. <laughs> Is there a certain wrestler that you enjoyed working with in New Japan? Like, oh, I love refereeing his matches. Uh, Fred, he keeps me on my toes. Fred's always, <laughs> he is, he does not stop moving forward. So uh, <laughs> the first time I refed him, I think it was a tag team match. It was maybe a three on three or a four on four. And I had turned around for a, a second to try to keep someone from getting into the ring. And I turned back around and Fred's got a, a pinfall. I immediately <laughs> had to drop it. I was like, oh man, <laughs> I missed this pin. <laughs> um, yeah, Fred, you know, uh, another guy um, that comes to mind would be Brody King, just because yes. he actually came up through Santino's with me. And uh, he always jokes that I'm always there for a lot of his big moments in his career. But uh, likewise, he's helped me throughout my career so much, um, just getting booked around and stuff. So uh, it's pretty cool to, to still be able to work with him. Um, and then, you know, trying just to control the Bullet Club. Do my best. <laughs> it doesn't always happen, but I do my best. <laughs> uh, what, has been, what has been your most memorable memory in the ring, good or bad? Oh, that's a tough question. <laughs> Um, you know, I would say bad, we kind of covered it already. That'd probably be my concussion. Um, uh, just because that was such like an, it happened when I was less than a year into refing. So I didn't even know if I'd continue refing after that or not. Right. Um, but I'd say the best, most memorable one, 
Um, it would probably be refing for New Japan for the very first time at that Strong Style Evolve show because I wasn't booked to start the day, um, but I had my gear. The old adage is always bring your gear. So I had my gear in my car and, um, you know, they came up to me and said, hey, we're going to give you uh, the first match. Wow. Okay. <laughs> when <laughs> got my gear and um you know there were probably three thousand people there and at that time i'd refed in front of maybe a few hundred people at the most wow. so you know that was like a huge moment for me and you know um yeah and none of my friends i didn't know it was going to happen none of my friends knew it was going to happen wow. uh so for them you know a lot of them reached out to me and showed support and same thing um being in the tokyo dome for the first time um another just standing in the ring, just looking around and seeing how enormous it is. Um, you know, that, that's the, obviously the most packed show I've ever done. So um, it was just um, amazing. It was awesome. Uh, Jeremy, time is money. And uh, you've been an amazing guest, first guest of 2021. And with every guest, uh, I like to just hit them with 21 totally random questions, whatever comes to your mind. And then, you know, it's time to take it home, baby. Are All you right. ready to play? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite thing in your closet right now? Um, you know, it's probably this jacket because I've been wearing it nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when things break, do you prefer to fix it or replace it? Replace it. What job would you be absolutely horrible at? There's a lot of them. Where do I even start? Um, <laughs> uh, going back to the fixing thing, I'd say construction worker because I'm terrible at fixing things. <laughs> yes. What's your favorite movie ever? Oh, what's a good one? I'd say probably Super Bad. <laughs> That's funny. That's a good one. <laughs> uh, what's the most What's the most disturbing thing you've ever witnessed? Um, a broken leg during a wrestling match. Oh goodness! Yeah, Who, who's snapped? Um, oh, oh yeah. God! Who, yeah. uh, whose leg? Can you say or no? Um, sure. I mean, it was uh, it was a uh, Marco stunt at a GCW show in LA, and he had just mm. hit, landed off of a Canadian destroyer onto some stairs, I think, and his leg hit the stairs and broke, and mm. yeah, stopped the match, and it was just bad all around. If you had the world's attention for thirty seconds, what would you say? Uh, I would say to be kind to each other, to love one another, um, you know, don't hate, don't spread hate, spread love. Don't, don't spread hate, spread love, block the hate, right? Yeah, block the hate. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, when people don't reply all to an email. Oh, oh. <laughs> There's an accounting answer for you. <laughs> I get it. I get it. What makes you anxious? Um, I don't know. A lot of things. Um, trying to find an answer to this question. I don't know. <laughs> Everything makes me anxious, man. You know that. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the stupidest thing you've ever done because someone's dared you to? Um, first thing that comes to mind would be uh, shotgunning a beer. 
<laughs> uh, what's your favorite swear word? Uh, are you gonna bleep it out? No, <laughs> no we don't. No, we don't Absolutely bleep it out. Not. Okay, I'll do one in Hebrew. How about that? Oh, uh, Benzona. Oh, that's cool. Benzona. Hmm. Can you translate? Oh, that? Look, look that one up. Okay. <laughs> we have to look that up. What? Uh, what? What is one food you could never give up? Steak. Steak. Yeah, I love if it. If you could have, if you could have three people over, dead or alive, who would they be? Um, Adam Sandler, <laughs> um, George Carlin, and one other person. You know, we're talking about The Undertaker. Why not have The Undertaker yeah, there too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the worst backhanded compliment you've ever been given? <laughs> um mine mine you're mine pretty a... good for a ref <laughs> oh that's a weird one. Oh. <laughs> mine was uh mine was in the south uh wrestling in the deep south uh oh he ain't so bad after all well what is that supposed to mean you know because i'm gay you know i'm not so bad after all like that that's the worst backhanded compliment i've ever been given um if you could be a member of any TV sitcom, what would it be? Curb your enthusiasm. Mm. Uh, who was your first celebrity crush? Uh, Amanda Bynes. <laughs> Amanda show. Yeah. And all that too. <laughs> What's something you've tried that you'll never try again? Uh, unagi. <laughs> unagi. Unagi. Yeah. It's, uh, what was your first job? I worked at the Coffee Bean as a barista. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, is there an app that you hate but but you use anyway? Facebook. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, is there a personality trait you can't stand? Uh, I'd say just over arrogance. Yeah. People are just overly arrogant. Yeah. Uh, best gift ever received? Um, I'll go with the one my girlfriend just gave me, uh, a pair of socks with her cute, cute dog face on them. Oh. I, I love them. Love that dog. Awesome. <laughs> what product would you seriously stockpile if you found out that they weren't going to sell it anymore? Probably wouldn't be toilet paper. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you know, probably be steak because I live without it. Yeah. You know, and speaking about toilet paper, I'm currently working with a deal, uh, with the bidet company, uh, bio bidet, because, you know, uh, I always say my social media is an open diary to the world. So anything I ever post always comes from the heart, you know, and social media is like a second job. So you need to get yourself a bidet, man. I know they're big yeah. in Japan. <laughs> yeah. You know, my roommate tried to install a bidet on his toilet, ended up breaking the toilet, and our landlord had to replace the toilet. So, oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, the sizes are different. They ask you if your toilet is a circle or like an oval, and mine is an oval. So, uh, but yeah, it's a great investment. So, I'm trying to work out a paid deal, if you know what I mean. Yeah. 
But Jeremy, this was an amazing podcast. First episode for us. Again, doing the podcast for me is like therapy. You yeah. know what I mean? I get to do it with my real life neighbor, Arnold, and having you on so last minute, it, it, it means the world to me. And I hope, you know, knock on wood, you know, I keep speaking it into existence that we can get out to Japan and do our thing. So uh, Absolutely. Again, thank you, again, thank you for being a guest. Thank you for having me, both of you. Um, another fun interview, Jeremy Marcus. Again, it's really cool to have all sorts of people in the wrestling business in this podcast, you know, from wrestlers, behind the scenes, to referees. They're, they all play a major factor to the show. And it was great learning about his career and, and his upbringing. Wrestlers, referees, production. Uh, and like I said, you know, anyone we have on is very near and dear to my heart. I say the same thing all the time because I mean it, you know? So Jeremy's a hard worker, man. And uh, not only in the ring, but outside of the ring, you know? Like I said earlier, uh, six hours to San Francisco, six hours back to LA, like that's, that's tough. A lot of people can't do that, man. I can, and he's the only one that, that has done it, you know? Like people, usually people take breaks, you know? Yeah. I said, Jeremy, I said, Jeremy, uh, if, if you get tired, I can drive. I like driving. Oh no, I got it. I got it. And he was just wow. like, he was nine and three the entire time. Eyes wide. No, no swerving. That's why I said, this guy is money. Yeah. He, he's, he's doing his thing. And I pray that I can travel to Japan with him be, or tra travel within the States, you know, when, uh, the time comes because he's a great traveling partner. Yeah, yeah, I I feel it. I feel like it's gonna happen at the end of this year. I feel like when the world gets back to normal, hopefully. Wishful well, thinking. You're well, you're a psychic, right? You're I, a psychic I, uh, I to begin with. That. So you said the you said the end of this year. I hope, man. The only thing I can do is keep getting in my workouts, stay on top of my social media. You know, keep grinding away like I was doing when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Uh, I, I had my best success when it came to a lot of my ambassadorships last year, you know? Yeah. So I want to keep the ball, I want to keep the ball rolling on that. So, um, yeah, you know, 2021 is in full effect. You know, we took a little break, but wow. what's the latest news, man? You got any news for me? Well, I feel like it's only right that we touch on uh, Brody Lee because we didn't get to talk about that when uh, it all happened. Uh, I was in my in-laws' house having a little like family gathering and my my best friend, who um, who's a big wrestling fan as well, texted me saying like Brody Lee passed away, and it took me about a few seconds to adjust to what was going on because it's one thing for me to hear when uh, legends pass away, but for someone who's uh, an active member of the roster, someone who's close to our age, 41. yeah, forty one, man, it. It hits different, and I was in in shock. I was like, "Wait, what?" And it's totally out of the blue, too. I had no idea that he was sick. He kept it under wraps, and you know that just goes to show how much people love him and respect him because, like, things get leaked all the time, right? Like here, and like it's almost impossible to keep something under wraps. But for him to have his circle circle of people to keep that information to themselves and not let it out to the public like that it just goes to show what kind of man and human being he is and how much he's loved and adored man um you said it perfectly arnold uh, i still i still can't get over it it still bothers me because 
again, you said it perfectly, it hits differently, you know? Uh, it hits the younger generation, uh, like the Shield, the Wyatts, primetime players. It hits all of us. It hits all of us, top to bottom, uh, but especially our generation. And he's one of my favorite, and I, I said it before and I'll say it after, it was Cesaro and Brody Lee that I enjoyed being in the ring with because we would kiss and hug backstage, but when we were in the ring, <clears throat> there was a lot of resistance, good resistance, you know? I needed to work. You know, when you get a chance, check out my highlight, uh, my 2020 highlight that I actually created on my own. I saw it. Own, uh, a lot of my primetime live stuff I did and my New Japan stuff I did. You know, I'm very aggressive, man. I'm like, it's night and day with me. Very, very aggressive. Uh, but I'm a teddy bear outside of the ring. And Brody Lee was a teddy bear outside of the ring. But he was vicious in the ring, man. When we were wrestling in the South, I enjoyed wrestling in the South because his presence, you know, like he just, he looks mean and nasty and gritty, but he never hurt me, man. And when I talk about resistance, you know, like if someone... If someone's going to bring me to the buckle, I'm not going to make it easy, you know? I'm not going to make it easy. I'm going to shove your hand off. I'm going to be like, get off of me, you know? And then you have to run me into the buckle. There was always resistance with Cesaro. There was always resistance with Brody Lee, man. So um, when, when I found out about that, I, I, I went, I don't know why I went on the IG Live, but I went on the IG Live for like 10 minutes, and I, I said maybe five words, man. I was crying my eyes out. I couldn't believe it. I, could, I, I, just, I just couldn't believe it. I just wanted to go on IG Live and let people know how I was feeling because, you know, it hit us very hard, man. It hit us very hard. Uh, what was your relationship like with him outside of the ring? Were you guys, were you guys close friends or were you guys just, uh, you know? Well, not close friends, but, you know, anytime we were on tour, we always hung out with one another sat next to each other, maybe on the bus, uh, the tour bus, uh, always smiles backstage, always yeah. smiles. He was always kind to my guests anytime I brought them backstage. Uh, he was just uh, an incredible human being, man. And uh, I can't say any uh, enough great things about him, man. He, he will truly, truly be missed. And when he, and when, when he passed away, the only thing I could think about was his kids, man, his yeah. kids, his wife, his kids, his wife. But I'm so happy with what AEW did. Uh, I'm happy with, with what all the organizations did, you know. Um, say what you want about WWE, but AEW really put together an incredible package. And to give Brody Lee Jr. Uh, the TNT Championship and just to take care of him and Brody Lee Jr. Seem, seemed to be doing well, man. I'm like, man, like I would have been, uh, I don't know. I don't know. But he's got so much support around him uh, that um, that he's going to be good. He's, he's going to be good. And uh, we'll, we'll look on this podcast 10 years from now. And uh, who knows? I could wrestle him. You know, anyone could wrestle him. But he's definitely going to have a story to tell when he gets older. Absolutely, man. And it gave me the chills because when it happened, uh, I listened to All Elite Wrestling's uh, podcast, Unrestricted Weekly. And uh, when he passed away, they, uh, Tony Schiavone 
they decided to replay an old episode where they had Brody Lee as a guest. And so I got to listen to the whole episode and just, you just get to see how, how, how cool he was, you know, how funny he was, how charming he was as a person. And, uh, he was just like a sweet man. And, you know, the jokes that he would crack and I love his banter with Tony the back and forth. And, um, Tony Schiavone said that after that interview was over, um, I think maybe Brody tech just randomly texted someone. I don't know if it's Cody or not, but he just texted someone saying like, Hey man, like Tony is a true gem. Like he's a true gem in this like wrestling industry industry. He's like, he's a legend and like, he's just great. And like, I can talk wrestling with him, wrestling with him all day. And Tony like just thought that, that that was very big of him to say after like the podcast, you know? Um, but it's just so surreal, like just because when that interview, when he did that interview, it was only probably like a few days before that he found out that he was sick. So it was just really sad how like how things can change and drop of a dime, you know, like he sounded fine. He was like he was all good then. And then a few days later, or like maybe a week later, uh, you know, they found out that there was like something wrong with him. But it's it's hard, man. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and you know, sharing the ring with him, you know, it was Eric Eric Rowan and Luke Harper. Anytime we would plan some stuff, or I'd always pair it with uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper, because both guys are smooth, but he's he was a joy to be in the ring with. Eric Rowan, he's a guy that body slammed me so hard that I sharded my pants in the baby blue tights uh, on live TV, but. You know, Brody Lee, he was an absolute joy to be in the ring with, man. That's awesome. Well, you know, he's he's resting in paradise right now. And, you know, like you said, his family's in good hands. And you're right, AEW did a great job uh, paying homage to him. And he will be missed. But, you know, it's it's not goodbye. It's, it's see you later for all those that knew him. Um, but it's kind of hard to transition from that. But as we transition to the other wrestling news... A lot of people are pissed. A lot of people are pissed that Goldberg is back. Did you see this? Yeah, Goldberg. Uh, do they really need him back? I don't understand. Why? You know, I'm all about positivity. And I, you know, like, I, I just love wrestling overall. But it, it gets to the point where it's kind of like, he's starting to be that uncle that shows up, like, uninvited, you know, like, at a party. Because, you know, I, like someone mentioned this already. Like, what, 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 do you have uncles like that? No, no, I'm just saying like in general, like, <laughs> you know, so hopefully someone can relate to that. Yeah. But um, I saw this uh, comment on like a wrestling channel. I don't know if it was like Wrestling Hub or something like that. But uh, Goldberg cut a promo to Drew McIntyre saying like, oh, you know, Drew, you're a perfect champion. You got the size. You got your strength speed but one thing you don't have is respect you don't respect the legends and you don't respect me and everyone was like wait what like when did that happen when has he ever like what what which raw did we miss out on like that's never been the case so like for like that's already that's already a botch right there like for him to say that in a promo it's kind of like what no this is this is a story like i mean this is a um a feud out of nothing, like literally out of nothing. He's just like reaching for something right now. 
And I just thought that that was a really, really like bad execution, man. Like I, I don't mind a Goldberg and Drew McIntyre match, like fine, like great, but like for him to say that, it's kind of like it justifies why he shouldn't be there, basically, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it it'll be interesting. And is this gonna happen at the Royal Rumble or yeah, Royal Rumble? Oh man. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I, I I hope it's not a quick one, man. I don't. He can't win. I don't think he'll win. I think it's just another. I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I hope it's just another name that Drew overcomes. You know, like a lot. Like I I hope Goldberg is just like uh like it's gonna be added to Drew McIntyre's list of victims because it just doesn't make sense. Like come at this point, it's like wow. Like man, like he came back. He beat the fiend. He's the first guy to beat the fiend. Um, he became he uh, when Kevin Owens had a great run as the longest reigning Universal Champion at the time. He came back and he beat Kevin Owens in like five seconds. Like, I just don't get the logic of him doing that again and just like pissing he, a lot of people off. Mark it down. He's he's gonna beat Drew. Damn. He's gonna beat Drew, but you know what? Before I lose my train of thought, you know a match I really want to see uh. that would be very interesting is is uh, is Goldberg versus Randy Orton. Has that ever happened? They touch, they touch the for sure, um, but I don't think it's been a one on one. Yeah, I I'd love to see that because Randy is someone that uh, I've done a few interviews recently, and uh, people have have quoted me some have quoted me accurately and some have quoted me by saying that i want to be the black randy orton yeah well when i say like when i do these interviews and i say that you know 18 plus years in the business there are people that i study and there are people that i you know grab stuff from and tom hanks said it the best you're dope if you don't steal from the greats you know and uh when i am wrestling i envision myself being the black Randy Orton, meaning I don't do his moves. You, you watch my highlights, I don't do any of his moves. It's the in-between stuff, you know? The in-between stuff that means the most to me, that timing. Timing is so important to me. If you have good timing in the ring, man, I, I'll work you every day if I can, you know? Yeah. And people that I steal from right now that I watch, Randy Orton and The Great Muda. Can you believe that? Two wow. people, the great Muda, the great Muda and Randy Orton, the two people that I watch still to this day. Uh, and as crazy as it sounds, I wrestle myself. When no one's around, I wrestle myself. And I, I get that. that. And that's how I earned 2020 match of the year for New Japan Pro Wrestling. You know what I mean? Yeah. So because, I, huh? because I'm a maniac when it comes to storytelling and doing what's best for a show, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And a AEW denied me not, and I love saying it, AEW not, denied me not once, but twice, but they weren't my all-in goal. New Japan Pro Wrestling was my all-in goal. And that's why I won 2020 Wrestle of the Year. That's one of my biggest milestones oh, that, yeah. I'll, that I'll, I'll, I'll my, my chest will be out. <laughs> because I, I worked hard for it, man, and well, you, you know me. Yeah, you know me better than anyone. I worked hard to get that note, that notoriety. You know what I mean. So Absolutely. I just gotta keep. I, I just gotta keep pushing forward. And you're only as good as your last match. You know, yeah. we're in 2021 now. You know, so I gotta keep pushing forward and get another match of the year. 
Absolutely, man. Gotta the the grind don't stop, right? Yes, the grind don't stop. It's a rolling, not a stopwatch. This grind don't never stop, baby. And I find it really cool that um, you know, obviously this has happened a lot of times before, but a list like mainstream celebrities are getting involved with the pro wrestling world. Um, I know people talk; they're gonna talk about Snoop Dogg, you know, doing that splash on AEW, and um, I heard WWE was pissed about that. By the way, that like Snoop's in AEW, <laughs> um, but I just think it's cool. Like now that AEW's on TNT, Cody has all these like connections with Shaq. You know, he's in a storyline with Shaq. Like what? That's amazing, man. And um, another thing that's starting to happen for WWE, they're teasing possibly. Maybe a WrestleMania thing or like a like Royal Rumble thing, but uh, Cardi B, Cardi B and Lacey Evans going back and forth, like you know, like it's cool, man. That's, that's cool stuff. Yeah, that's more eyes on the product. I, I like that. I like that. I like Cardi B and Lacey Evans. I think, man, that's that that, that is money, money, money because Lacey Evans is great, man. Not yeah. only is she great in the ring, but she's just a great person outside of the ring. Here is a superstar who says that she would rather sleep in her car than get a hotel room for four hours. And I totally agree with that. You know, Titus would, um, sometimes he'd get hotel rooms for just four hours. I'm like, oh my goodness, let's just, let's just sit at the airport or let's just, just sit in a car. We get a room for, granted, it would be either free or it'd be like 50 bucks. But you know yeah. uh, that that grind sleeping in the car like I, no shame in my game you know what I mean like four hours to be in a hotel room come on yeah. but uh, I love I love her grind inside of the ring and outside of the ring and that's something I would definitely pay for absolutely me too man me too and um, I think it's another cool concept that uh, Roman Reigns he finally kind of explains why he wears the gold glove you caught that too. Uh, you know, yeah. we had the golden boy uh, in this pod in this podcast, and he talked about like the Midas touch being his finishing move. And that's exactly what Roman Reigns had in mind. You know, that's the reason why he has the gold gloves, because everything he touched turns into greatness. And I thought that was yeah. such deep, deep symbolism. And it just that's dope when wrestlers like think like that. You know, it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, before I forget, did I ever t- tell you this story about uh snoop dogg when he was at a raw yeah when you like he was like smoking weed backstage and then (laughs) yeah (laughs) but go ahead you can tell it man (laughs) Uh, i forget how it went but uh me and titus were walking towards snoop's locker room i'm like why are we going titus and then we go in like again titus he just barges in you know, it it's just lit. I got a kayfabe, but it is just lit. And um, <laughs> uh, and then I have the uh, little uh, the vaporizer, and uh, and then uh, I said, "Hey, Snoop, I you know I got my stuff here." And he's like, "Man, I do the real stuff, man. Here, have some." Uh, and then I did a few tokes, and uh, Titus didn't do any. And then after we were done chit chat and like I, we walked out and I was like, oh my <laughs> God, like I have to like run to the locker room and spray myself down and avoid anyone, you know, yeah. any production people. Uh, but I was a nervous wreck back, uh, 
back then and now, you know. So uh, <laughs> that was a that was a fun moment. That was a fun moment. Yeah, I'm sure, man. Um, so you know the whole storyline with the Fiend uh, and Randy Orton. That was a cool, cool cinematic match, kind of right. Like when the Fiend got burned alive. So what do you yeah, think? What yeah. do you think they're gonna do with that? Do you think the Fiend's gonna come back with a different look, or do you think it's gonna be a completely different character, or do you think he's just gonna come back as is and get his revenge? Um, I mean, it could, anything can happen, man. Um, who knows? Who knows? That's kind of like that's kind of like open ended, man. Anything can happen. You know, he can come back with a new look. He can come back with, you know, his brother. You know, uh, Bo Dallas. I mean, oh, who yeah. knows? Yeah, yeah. I mean, who knows, man? Who knows what can happen? I think it should definitely be a new look. I think he should still be the Fiend and not a new character because I think that character has longevity, like the character Kane, you know what I mean? Um, and Mankind. Um, but I think it'll be cool if he just comes back with a new look because look how Kane evolved, right? Like he changed his look, but he's still Kane. So, and again, he'll be super toyetic, right? With all the merch. Now they got all this new like stuff to like, push with all his new look with all the action figures and uh you know mask and things like that so i think that would be the right call sure sure you know yeah yeah it's true man <laughs> <laughs> but you know but it's funny when um it's funny when i stress you know uh, my sadness for uh brody lee um randy orton had uh dm'd me with his number saying um I mean, if you need me, uh, here's my number. And I was like, man, but I already had his number from years ago. Yeah. Uh, I think he had got my number from, I, uh, he, he had got my number from Titus. Uh, and then I just saved it, you know, for yeah. some reason I, I used to have Vince McMahon's number, but, uh, I don't think I saved it properly. Oh, um, no. <laughs> I didn't save it because I had it for when I came out, when I came out in 2013, he immediately someone set the call Vincent man and they gave me his number and then I called them but for some reason I didn't save it man if I would have saved it, I have Triple H's number but I don't have Vince's yeah. number but for Randy to do that man uh I mean that's why I talk so highly of him you know because yeah. he's a he's a really cool dude man he's a really cool dude so talking about that match with the Fiend that just uh popped up in my head for him to be so kind to do that sure of course how was it calling Vince, man? Did he pick up right away, or did he you know? Like, was he like, "Hey, friend"? I mean, this was twenty. I mean, let let me tell you, this was twenty thirteen, obviously. Uh, but we talked for twenty minutes, and we talked about how Pat Patterson, rest in peace, another <laughs> passing. Uh, uh, he talked about how Pat Patterson is gay and is one of his closest friends and right hand man, and he and he respect my decision to come out. I mean, it genuinely sounded like a really cool conversation, you know, just like how you met him, you know, Vince McMahon, right. he was re really cool, but it was different when Triple H called me. I do have his number, Triple H. It was different when he called me because for maybe five or 10 minutes, maybe less, it was like, uh, you know, uh, Darren, um, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, <laughs> you know, we here, we here at WWE, uh, you know, we, um, we, uh, you know, we respect your decision to, uh, you know, to come out and, uh, you know, that's how it was. <laughs> that's how it was, <laughs> you know? So you remember these conversations, man. Yeah. You're like, ah, you know, it wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. It, I mean, it was like, 
he was forced like he like he was on the phone and was like you better do this you better do this because it's good for the company and then he and then he's like all right all right you know uh darren you know um you know what i mean so like it it wasn't natural. He's got to work on his, he's got to work on his people skills. Well, man, listen, 2021 is here. It's going to be an exciting year for pro and bro wrestling. We have, you know, um, I'm looking forward to more interviews with amazing people. I'm looking forward to the year of wrestling that's coming ahead. I'm looking forward to the, all, all the accomplishments you're going to achieve this year. It's going to be, it's going to be a fun, great year. And I'm here for it, man. I'm here for the ride. Japan, Japan, Japan. That's all I keep thinking about. People ask me, WWE, AEW? Nope. 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 Now, I mean, I'm not signed to any company now. I'm a free agent. If WWE were to call me back, I would have to really, really, really think about it. Mm -hmm. But my goal is my goal is New Japan, you know? Yeah. My goal is New Japan. And I and I'm starting my own fire. Uh, on social media by um, calling out Kenny Omega, not necessarily calling him out because he doesn't know me, but I know him. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm very happy with all, all the moves he's making with Impact and AEW. I just hope he stays in his own lane because if he comes to my show, New Japan Strong, I'm coming for him. There you go. You heard it here, man. Simple as that. I'm yeah. coming for him. Yeah. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to another amazing, fun podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to our YouTube channel at Pro and Bro Wrestling. Uh, if you guys like the video, make sure you guys give it a thumbs up. Leave us a comment on the comment section below to let us know what we can do better. And if you're listening to us on iTunes, give us a five-star rating and write us a review as well. Uh, block the hate, salute the great. Episode 65 is a wrap.